1: Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. We're wrapping up the NFL Draft today, talking a little bit of recruiting, and obviously more off-season Notre Dame speculation because we could go all summer that's doing what that. we do. Yeah, but let's talk about some actual news. Uh, the NFL Draft over the weekend pretty much went as expected for Notre Dame. Tim, I think it went almost identical to your expectations in terms of not only who got picked, but but where they got picked. There were some surprises from my perspective, but uh, you know, just Jalen going in the second round. You sort of felt that was a good possibility.
2: Well, I, no, nah, I wasn't really on that. I mean, go. I mean, going yeah. into Thursday night, the the thought was okay. These are the teams late in the draft that have yeah. a bunch of picks that could pick them. But then going into Friday, when Adam Schefter started, you know, he was talking to people and they were saying he's not going to get. Past the third round, second round surprise. The fact that it's the Cowboys, they do stuff like that. I think he's going to look great in a Dallas uniform. I know a lot of people don't like the Cowboys and don't like that prospect, but he's going to look great in a Cowboys uniform. And uh, you know, but that one's that one was tough to project. And I thought Kavari Russell was tough to project. Although I had the we had the biggest tip of all at the end of pro day. He was walking over to talk to the media, and then a guy a guy who happened to be a scout call him over and K- Russell says to me that's a scout from the Chiefs he's a lot more important than you are so <laughs> he went over there he went over and talked to him and as it turned out that's
0: exactly who drafted him you know he did round. you know he did that's one of the two teams he never visited was Kansas City though he never visited that's he only didn't there was yeah. two teams that you know he you hear that, you
2: hear a lot of that
0: stuff but there's a lot
2: of conversations yeah. and that was one of them but I do have to say that if in future drafts, if you're looking at uh, mock drafts, you should come to Irish Illustrated because <laughs> we were really, really close on uh, on Stanley, Fuller, Martin, Procise, a Day with the, the, the biggest disparity was six picks with Sheldon Day. I had him going right at the beginning of the fourth round. But, uh, um, you know, it was, I mean, other than, other than Jalen Smith not going, you know, the, well, I should say, other than Sheldon Day not going the second day, Everything went perfectly yeah. for six of the and seven. And that was
1: with Day. I talked to one of his advisors on Friday morning, and he said that Sheldon expected to go in the fourth or fifth round. So it wasn't a surprise to Sheldon Day. I think it was a surprise to a lot of people who, yeah. just, who would watch Sheldon Day's career. Well,
2: and that gets into the note. We were talking about that before we went on. I mean, get, it, this is the first year where I really realized the numbers at a position, how much it dictates your fate. Because here's C.J. process that's played running back for one year, and he's... He was a consensus top four running back. He goes in the third round. Sheldon Day, with an ultra-productive career and will be a pro for a long time, was about the 14th rated defensive tackle. I mean, there were just so many good defensive tackles, including Ioannidis from from Temple, who finally was picked in the fifth round. I think that guy's going to play in the NFL. But, you know, so much of your fate is dictated by how much talent there is at your position. Pro size benefited from it. Um you know, Stanley benefits from it to a large extent because he was a, among a top three, upper tier. Uh, but Sheldon Day paid a little bit of price, but a good match for him in, in Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, and I think we live in such a Notre Dame centric world where we think of we know every all their weaknesses and strengths for Day and size because we over-evaluate them all the time. Right? But yeah, and I think I think Sheldon Day is going to benefit from going where he's going. It's they were offense they were drafting offense for the last four years, Jacksonville, and then they just hit the jackpot defensively kidding Jalen Ramsey I think is the best player in the draft and they got Miles Jack who many people thought was the best player in the draft and they got Sheldon Day who is a great fourth round draft pick yeah. and they and Dante Fowler is like a new draft pick for them not playing last year they have it's gonna be an exciting team to watch you mentioned the Cowboys if you're a Notre Dame fan and you hated Dallas you have Zach Martin and Jalen Smith two of the two of the best players of the Brian Kelly, maybe the two best players of the Brian Kelly era on the Dallas Cowboys yeah. it's I mean, it'll be fun. The full, Russell. The
2: fuller fit in Houston. Yeah. They need a deep threat. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins opposite him. He could um, use a quarterback, too. I'm not sure about yeah. Osweiler. With. Yeah, yeah, he could yeah be good. True. But.
1: but they just paid a lot of money for him, so yeah. that's who they're going to go yeah, with. Yeah, and I mean, I was already looking at the schedule for next year. you got got uh, a... Will fuller Mackenzie Alexander matchup, I think, in Week 9. And then Week 2, you've got uh, Will Fuller-Kavari Russell potentially. Oh, wow. Uh, Bet the over on that. Yeah, Yeah, well,
2: but, you know, Mackenzie Alexander, he
1: had safety help. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, now they'll have Harrison Smith as safety help on Will Fuller. So I guess we'll see how good that works out. Um, But, yeah, it was fun to watch and see Notre Dame more involved. And even though it wasn't the most picks Notre Dame has had... It it felt like the most yeah, for me because they picks. were yeah they were the top four rounds You we weren't getting tack on picks at the end and there's a, a website that I've sort of been tracking called SportTac that uh, sort of estimates the contract yeah, I- values it's been a good a pr- pretty good resource and they had total value for Notre Dame's rookie deals among the the draftees at fifty one million dollars trailing Ohio State's $117 million, but um, Notre Dame way up there in terms of the money these guys are going to be banking. Stay in in school. Don't go pro early. You know, it's $10 million. I mean, I Uh, State with their 10 juniors. It's an interesting look at it, because, I mean, how much time did we spend? Should CJ ProSize come back or or should he leave? Should Will Fuller come back or should he leave? Kavari Russell, um, to a lesser extent, but, like, you know, Will Fuller, that would have been idiotic to come back to school. And and ProSize... I, I always felt like he wasn't going to improve his draft stock by coming back, but I still didn't think he was going to be a third-round yeah. pick. So, I mean, it was a, a great move on his
0: part, too. CJ ProSize might have saved himself money, because and Pete Carroll, his new coach. <laughs> Another thing for Notre Dame fans, to <laughs> wonder who to root for. <laughs> Pete Carroll actually mentioned, he said he's our third down back to start the year, and he could eventually, I don't see any reason why he can't be a first down back, too, in the future, but he said he hasn't been hit. He doesn't have wear and tear on him. We like the fact he's only played running back for one year. He would have been hit a lot more, and that would not have been an attribute for right. next year's draft.
2: Well, we really have to. I mean, this, the the lesson learned for me here is going into next year's draft as we start to track it, and we really start tracking in the middle of the season for the the yeah. uh, bye week. Uh, and, and I should, you know, Greg Gabriel was, was huge in, in – uh, in directing us uh, in terms of evaluating talent, we kind of went on our own when it came to picking where they would end up being drafted. And a lot of it had to do with just, and again, that's why I say, when we go into next year, you really need to follow who's available at each position because you certainly understand why Will Fuller and CJ Process in particular left
1: early. Yeah, no question. Well, I guess spinning it forward a little bit uh, to the guys on, on this year's roster, right? I don't know how much time you wrote a story about sort of Notre Dame's draft prospects for next year, um, and I think that you watch to see how guys have developed on this roster. Uh, I certainly wouldn't expect Quentin Nelson to come out after his junior year. No. Certainly, he's a pro. Eventually, Mike McGlinchey might be more of an interesting conversation yeah, for Notre Dame. Yeah,
2: right? I mean, I don't, I, I, and I certainly include those guys yeah. in this day and age. You just have to flat include them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, we're not gonna. We're not playing a game for You're anybody five, here. Yeah, we're yeah, we're, right, we're going to deal yeah. in real terms. And and the reality is that, I mean, a Quentin Nelson will probably be, certainly physically he'll be ready to go. He may be a little heavy. He probably needs to get yeah. his weight. There's some men in that league at that position. Yeah, you know? no doubt. Yeah. But, I mean, he he's he's an absolute beast. And he would be, I think he'd be number one on the list if he came out. But, you know, seniors, you have Rochelle. You have, um, well, Tony what Hunter you- has a Luke. Yeah, Cole Luke. Big year for him. Obviously, a mm-hmm. really, really important year for him. Jaron Jones uh, goes without saying. James Onowalu, but the juniors, you know, or, or guys with eligibility returning: Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Deshaun Kaiser, Tory Hunter, Tari and Folston, mm-hmm. um, Tyler Newsom, Interesting. P- punters don't punters <laughs> don't leave early. But if he has another year like he did last year, he won't come for a fifth. That's right. You're right. yeah. He yeah. definitely won't yeah. come yeah. for yeah. a fifth,
0: but. I mean, my God, he's really developing into a weapon. But I think it leads into something interesting. The list we were doing for the website, rating, uh, five top five players by class, all of us. Just imagine, I mean, these guys could have come back on this team. The 2013 recruiting class has, ended, has proven to be, I mean, obviously Kelly's best Ronnie and the best Stanley in a long time. Come back. Yeah, but I mean, Jalen Smith, Wolf Fuller, CJ size. Kavari Russell, Ronnie Stanley, you know, you're not going to have those last two on this yeah. team, but they all could have come back to this team, and that would make these these top fives we did look a little different. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Yeah. Because we were speculating a little bit. Now, if you just thought of your top five last year, I just mentioned most of them, top five this year, we had most of the same guys, but we're putting in guys like Jeron Jones and Cole Luke. That's last year. They were top twelve, right. top fifteen. Right, it's yeah. it's important steps for them. A lot they, of hope but, yeah, there is a lot of hope go Torrey Hunter Jr. In. Yeah, was in all of our lists in the top three easily. At least I had him number two. I mean, it, that's
1: he wasn't even somebody I considered
0: last no, year. No, last, of last year, not. yeah, yeah, and, and of course Asik and was, all of those
2: guys that you mentioned that that ultimately turn pro, they would be. I mean, they would make our entire oh. senior list. Yeah, they would be, that would none be a of these guys No, none, would be no player
0: would be on this list, which so that that's a, that's a lot of yeah, loss of talent, right. but they have replenished it. I mean, yeah. I like Isaac Rochelle a lot, just because he'd have been number six for me with all those guys back doesn't mean he's not a really good football player, but it does lend credence to the argument that they loaded up for last year, and this will be a tougher, it might not be a harder schedule, probably easier schedule, but this will be, you're not going into this season thinking, this is a top 4 championship team as a season no start. last
1: year yep. was the year yep. it didn't happen um, this year is they can be a good team well, but i mean they they won 10 games and went to a fiesta
2: bowl to a large extent for considering in the last 20 years yeah. that's oh here. that's they, one they, of the peaks they're yeah. in the running to
0: the last kick yeah. of the year so yeah. they did I mean right. they, yeah. they, they almost fulfilled you know lo- looking
1: at that you mentioned the schedule guys who have already been mentioned as first round picks potentially next year Juju Smith and uh, Dory Jackson from USC uh, Christian McCaffrey from Stanford Malik McDowell from Michigan State and Brad Kaya from Miami who I think is probably in the way too early looking at the schedule I think we sort of you know like well Miami is not that good but if they have a first round pick at quarterback and Brad Kai is legit, I don't know, a much better head coach, I think that's sort of one of those games where, like, you. I think we all look back to Miami in 2012 yeah, and Notre Dame not just ran him off yeah. the field. Like, nor is it the Notre Dame team. That, that could be an interesting game.
2: Well, and I think, I mean, Kai, Every time I watch him, and of course we don't, we don't have an opportunity to study him. He's you know. been inconsistent when I watch him, and that was always me with Hackenberg. It's like, you know, I too. You know, there's Christian Hackenberg. That's the guy everybody's yeah, talking that's about. That's, I know yeah. he's better than. Then the snapshots that yeah. we get, and I think it's
1: it's true of Kaya as well because yeah. everybody loves them. Yeah, it would be. There's some tailing on next year's schedule, but I, I agree it's not Clemson. Right. This
0: year, it's manageable now. for sure. <laughs> Even Stanford last year was. You realize, although there was a hiccup early, mm-hmm. you hit about early October, late September, and you're like, oh, that's one of the six best teams in the country, and they have to play at Stanford to end the year, and I don't think I don't think you're going to see. look at USC as one of the five or six best teams in the country when we hit October. It's not impossible, of course, but that Stanford team was also, that was their year. They were loaded for Baylor Quest. And, here. and,
2: and here's, a, here's another angle on a story that I'm working on, and I just came up with the idea last year, so this is the second year I've done it's The annual talent drain, you know, who lost what mm-hmm. in it, I mean, you go through the draft, you look at all the guys that got signed as free agents and who's coming back, and when you take Notre Dame's 12 opponents and Notre Dame, Notre Dame lost more talent than anyone, clearly, both in terms of draft picks and uh, free agent signings, and obviously USC has a lot of talent, Michigan State lost a lot of talent, Stanford, uh, but Notre Dame lost more than anybody. Now, fortunately, as you mentioned, Tim, the Schedule looks pretty forgiving. There's a lot of teams on there. Actually, I have NC State fifth in terms of lost talent. Uh, also, starting quarterback who was uh, right. What a, yeah. third, a third round pick, yeah. I right? Chicago and they had that? they had the fifth most uh, draft choices of those thirteen teams, Notre Dame, the twelve opponents. Every so, team we just mentioned lost their starting team. quarterback. Stanford, yeah. Michigan State, Absolutely. USC, you NC know, State.
0: Throw Navy in there. Also a draft yeah. also a drafted starting quarterback. Yeah we already see the good starting quarterback for Navy though. Yeah. He showed his flashes early on. Tago <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah <he laughs> <was> Tago Smith, <laughs> yeah. The name to know for the off season.
1: <laughs> well let's uh speculate a little bit more about Notre Dame's off season and, and what's coming down the pipe for them. In segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider are burning up the boards. We'll put a wrap on segment one moving ahead in our Irish Illustrated podcast.
2: Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is a burning up the boards segment. And we'll start with a question from Tater's dad. One, does draft day success truly impact recruiting or is it just
1: an urban legend? way more urban legend than truly impacting recruiting. I mean, Notre Dame and every other program does a good job of getting their social media team on it and tweeting out how much money those guys made. You know, Brian Kelly did that. Um, You know, congratulating the picks, making sure it's sort of in the uh, forefront of recruits' minds. But ultimately, the impact to me is is very, very low. Um, You could argue that at Alabama, it makes a difference, but Alabama is... So far in front of everybody else in first-round picks over the last six years, that's what it takes. And I I mean, I would equate this to, okay, Notre Dame is coming off a 10-win season. They had seven NFL draft picks, and those guys are going to sign rookie deals worth in excess of $50 million. So what happens over the weekend? A five-star defensive end that you loved and needed committed to Maryland... And a five-star receiver who would start from day one committed to Cal. So, to say, like... <laughs> who was that? Hey, yeah, remember that Demetrius yeah, Robinson. Yeah, it right. reminds me of... Well, that's because Cal produces <laughs>
2: quarterbacks that right. with the first pick.
1: <laughs> it reminds me of 2011 when they got Lynch, Eshek, Williams, Stefan to it. And a, a lot of people, and probably me too, are writing stories about this is a new normal for Notre Dame. And, you know, they're going to have a you know, defensive credibility on the recruiting trail. And what happens? Absolutely nothing. So it's like recruiting is it's just individual relationships, individual stories, and I, I really think that Notre Dame's draft impact is going to have little to no impact, little to no impact on recruiting, other than offensive linemen, which Notre Dame didn't really need to enhance its offensive yeah. line recruiting; it was already
0: very good. I just think program stature is what has the impact. Yeah. Of it. I mean, Alabama always has a lot of draft picks. Notre Dame always has a lot of normally has a lot of draft picks. Tennessee usually does. They didn't this time, but it's not going to hurt them that they didn't. Like, winning. no one's going to look at... Yeah, right? that, winning winning is, gets winning is the, the greatest factor you in look all. at all. Now, Miami, we have seen
2: evidence of of a correlation between when Notre Dame wins and it, it sure. improves their, their uh, recruiting.
0: Miami had two guys drafted, right? Everybody you talk to, when they talk about... If you were to talk to Miami prospective recruits, they'll all talk about how the, the U puts people in the league. They, yeah. you know, it, that It's just its reputation as a big program. So, in that way, it has a huge impact. But not necessarily like at the that's just the macro level of yeah, the yeah. USC they go to the pros. Notre Dame, you go pro, but that's it. That's that's where the draft yeah. success comes from. And it
1: it takes decades yeah. to develop yes. a reputation and for losing as a program. <laughs> and to lose it, yeah, I think. I mean, you look at how long Notre Dame endured <laughs> with really poor performances yeah. on the field and still had a great national reputation. I think it's gonna take you know another if Brian Kelly can duplicate the first six years for the next six, then maybe we'd have something about, oh, well, in hey, Notre Dame, that's a place where you go, you know, where kids who are
0: in grade school now would just go, well, well, of course, Notre Dame, Notre right. Dame is always
1: produced yeah. well, first-round picks. That's
0: like Randy Moss and Jerome Betta said, when you were being recruited, Notre Dame was cool because you just yeah. looked at them and they were cool then. And now yeah. kids could look at Jalen Smith, think they were cool. Offensive lineman, look at Ronnie Stanley, that's cool. I mean, the quarterback's totally cool. It's, it's, that, that's How really bad would
2: Notre Dame have to be in the fall to rank outside of the top twenty in a recruiting campaign, I mean they'd have to go
1: six and six. You know, it's <laughs> like, if, you, you're if really locked. Worse, you're I really know. locked in to lose uh, a coach, probably right? Yeah. yeah, I mean that would really be the only Your, way. Notre Dame is locked; like there should never, ever, ever be lower than twenty, and probably should always slot between twelve and eight. In the case you're going to bubble up and yeah. get the Jalen Smith ge- class, and they generally do. That's yeah. generally yeah. where we end up yeah, finding. But out. I'm just saying seven draft picks is not going to be what pushes you to no, number no, three. No, right, right. Golden by Name
2: asks, uh, who do you think is the best option of quarterback for the program, not just for 2016, but for the next two plus years considering eligibility, younger talent, recruiting, and
0: win potential? I, I, I'm i not sure you can worry about
2: how that's interpreted,
0: but I can I could point some rhetorical question back at this one for every subscriber because the answer is the quarterback you want you want the other one to transfer. Wow, well, that's... <laughs> because Malik Zaire, if he loses the job, will stay with Notre Dame this year, and he would be an idiot to play his fifth year as a backup at Notre Dame instead of go starting at a good school yep. as a graduate of Notre Dame as a fifth-year player in 2017. If Zaire beats out Kaiser, Zaire's not could have a great year and not go pro. He would come back and start again. Deshaun Kaiser's not going to sit there for two years and watch Malik Zaire play. It's the nature of the position at Notre Dame. There's no such thing at Notre Dame ever in the history of quarterback competitions that they're both going to stay through their eligibility. Now, Malik Zaire can graduate and go, and that is nothing like leaving before your yeah. eligibility right. up. But one of them is not going to finish playing college football at Notre Dame.
1: I can guarantee you that Malik Zaire's mindset right now is he's going to win the job and he's going to go pro. He is not. Go pro? Yeah. He is, he what is if he's? My, no, he's going pro. Not not what if, what if, but, not but. it's He's going to win the job, he's going to be great, and he's going to go pro. So I mean I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Oh,
0: his mindset. Yeah. Okay. Not not if, not that it has to happen. That right. right.
1: Okay. I'm not. But Kaiser or Zaire, if they're on the roster in 2017, mm. if whoever sits in be. 2016 yeah. is not
0: sitting in 2017, right. I totally so that, agree. With that, so that. the answer is, if you have a favorite quarterback and you're a fan, that's the answer. Better win the job. That's now. the guy that has to win the job and do it. Now yeah. for us, we don't have a favorite quarterback. And Kaiser's going to win the job, and that's what I think too. I would agree, but that doesn't mean it's the best call. We people have been wrong before too about that. I mean wins job doesn't mean we're right, it's just we think no, that he's a better I, I, option. I, yeah. I
2: say yeah. that because I think that, and, and we were, I think it was in the like the tail of the tape after the spring game. I, you, when you just start adding everything up, Brian Kelly, the head coach/slash offensive coordinator, is going to choose yeah. Kaiser I because of it. the assets that he
1: brings. Yeah, I totally agree. He's a better passer, and but I, I the point of like for the next two plus years, forget it. I mean. What happens in twenty seventeen should have absolutely nothing to do with the quarterback decision now. I mean, you look at what's going on in Alabama, like they just plug a new guy in every year. They don't they don't care if that if somebody else leaves, we didn't three guys leave. Doesn't it was, matter. Was
2: Coker's name mentioned at any point in no, the draft coverage in the last three days?
1: <laughs> All right, next up we've got Griswold 0-6. post spring practice. Jeron Jones appears tentative. Jerry Tillery is doing another walkabout. Jay Hayes is still ill suited at rush end and two of the main contributors that linebacker didn't play a snap in the spring. Might this be the poorest pass rush of any Brian Kelly has had so far? They're usually kind of poor. They're usually
0: yeah, poor. Except I, for 2012. I mean, it's a, it's
2: a yeah. great question because it's a legitimate I th- concern. I think the sacks are, it might be off by one,
0: 25, 21, 34 in 2012. 27, 26, 25, or 25, 26. So you're basically getting... I they were 24 last year. Okay. You're in that range where you're... There's an outlier. And it was when they had a bunch of NFL guys sacking quarterbacks and putting pressure on them in 2012, and yeah. they won all their games. Yeah. So no, I think it could be the worst pass rush. Yeah, it's it's. But not, doesn't have to be the worst good. defense, but it could be the worst pass it's rush. It's
2: not going to be good. I you know I, I I think you can. You know we thought we thought we'd see Jalen Smith rushing the passer a lot last year. They didn't do that. You I had think that they'll one be, sack against Texas. Yeah, remember? yeah, yeah. they'll have, they'll be. I think they'll be vastly improved with with Morgan replacing
0: Schmidt in terms of blitzes, but how often will they bring them? I I have a sad Jalen Smith stat for everyone related to Niles Morgan and Joe Schmidt. So we track our own pressures because it's kind of haphazardly tracked. It's not an official stat. So Notre Dame had 57.5 pressures last year from my tracking. Sheldon Day, 19. Number two, Joe Schmidt, 11.5. Wow. Number ten, Jalen Smith with ten. How many more times do you think Joe Schmidt rushed the passer than Jalen Smith in these situations? I mean, to, to make those eleven point yeah. five pressures yeah. happen. So the, the the most returning is Rochelle with eight, and then everybody else has like of three, Trembetti three, Tranquil by the way three in two games. So there you go, coming off the edge. It's, your yeah,
1: that's gonna be a rough. Dep- I mean, they're they're leading returning sack. Statistic guy on the defensive line has one. It's a four-way tie with one. I mean, it's not. It's not consistent. A good, it's four-way not. A good, it's yeah. not a good
0: situation. So. And
1: Trombetti got that in.
0: But the D, fastball. yeah, the D can be improved. I mean, it, I don't think it will be. But the D, you don't have to have a great pass rush. Definitely. Yeah, we're not saying that. I, but. I think that is, it's
1: a reasonable narrative that to look at that defense and say the talent is down, but the production relative to the talent returning could be improved. They sure. they could yeah. be closer to maximizing what they have this year than they were last. They've year. Got a that doesn't chance mean the defense be, will be better.
2: No, but they that D front's got a chance to be really good against the run when you look at Rochelle and and Jones and Tillery and if it's not Tillery then Jones can bump to the 3 and you if can bring K. if they
1: have zero injuries.
2: Yeah. Yeah, which never happens. Kind no, you know, if Jerry I, 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 Tillery's good.
0: You, 'Cause if you bumped K if you're bumping Jones, you have no backup if Tilly's not yeah, good. No, so you uh, need Jerry Tillery to be good. Yeah.
2: And it's you know, we've said this a couple times. We don't know if Trim right. can stop the run, which is why Jay Hayes is playing yeah. really out of position. And you know, the interesting thing about Jay Hayes is he's really out of position by two notches. Cause really you go from rush end. To big end. To big end. Yeah. It should be to three upsellers. technique. Right. Yeah, he's like two positions removed from... It's just so from...
0: strange that he's not <laughs> in competition for the three technique because they don't like their three techniques. It could... Yeah. Do you know what I'm it saying? Really you, would really like, like it, that, you would think that could It's not could just change. us. It's Brian Van Gorder. Yeah. Doesn't, he said <laughs> he didn't have a good spring, so he moved one of his Is players. there any way that,
2: that Okwara or uh, Ogundegi nope. can... Nope. No, <laughs> the younger Okwara. The younger Okwara or Ogundegi can... W- will they be physically could, ready to pro- provide out, any kind Colin, of pass Colin, rush?
0: He's saying, like Colin Hill. Could Julian Aguara yeah. no. pull a Colin Hill? I I, so.
2: No, I agree. I, yeah, I'm no. just throwing it out there and I, I'm
1: well, answering I think, my own question. Yeah, you, have, you stick Jay Hayes over there because Grant Blankenship's probably leaving. And then who's backing up Trebetti? Nobody.
0: Right. Well, I, okay. Yeah. Dalen Hayes, Daylen Daylen Hayes. Hayes is a, Who couldn't a take contact though so that's
1: yeah, I mean to me Dalen Hayes is you need a Colin Hill plus freshman year oh, you need all September Colin it, Hill, And really yeah. Van else. Gorder
2: spoke yeah. about Dalen Hayes as I if think, that's yeah. what he was expecting I mean they I, do I don't know, know if they're, they're hoping or healthy. expecting that he's 100% healthy but BVG talked about Dalen Hayes as if we're going to have the we're going to have a 100% true freshman defensive end at that spot now if he now he, uh, he's the best pass rusher yeah. on the team. We all like him. Mean, I loved him
0: in high school. Yeah. I just worry about shoulders. I'm on Pete's side with the shoulders. Yeah, shoulders. He, are... He's turned me around the last two years. It's the worst injury in the world. Yeah, forget bad. those head injuries, man. Shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> you can't come back from those things. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Our
1: last question in segment true from Jamie Starr Which opponent this season do you worry about the most?
0: Texas. You know why? Because. Whoever the starting quarterback is is going to look out there and have a lot of guys that have never made plays in a big game for them. I really mean it. If Notre Dame played Texas in Week 4, I think they'd bundle Texas. I think it's a tough, I think it's a tough spot. It's not Texas. It's the spot. It's a very difficult game to go play. Now, I like, how, I like the fact that Notre Dame's quarterback is going to be better than Texas' quarterback by a large margin. Mm-hmm. But don't you – there's so many guys on this team that aren't proven. That's a hard first game for those guys to play in. Yeah, I mean, are you looking at, like, a BYU 2004 s- yeah. type of yeah, dynamic? That's, that, well, I mean, not that bad. I, don't, yeah. I think Northeim's going to beat Texas. But yeah. my point is, obviously, Michigan State, Stanford, and USC are way better than Texas. Norton's going to be a fine team by the time they play Michigan State and Stanford. Like, they, they'll coalesce, and they'll be what they're going to be. How's that? They'll be what they're going to be. Yeah. I don't necessarily think they're going to be what they're going to be against Texas. You get a funky, yeah. off script performance. I'm thinking of Georgia Tech higher scoring, the Brady Quinn year going down to Georgia Tech, and they win 14-6 or whatever. It was, you thought this team was going to go out and run them off the field, mm-hmm. and the spread's only eight. You can't figure out why the number two team in the country is Yeah, like we eight. don't
2: feel like Notre going to run Texas off the field. I think people are overestimating Texas a little bit. I mean, you know what Texas' record was oh, last year? Oh, I know.
0: I, I'm, I'm saying it's the spot. I don't like the spot for, oh, for John hear. Kaiser and so, a bunch of nah. dudes that have never played Funky before. Funky dynamics. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's going to be,
1: a, a I think, a pretty electric crowd. Yes. Because, I mean, if Texas did anything, they they beat Oklahoma and they had a great National Signing Day, so people are getting excited about it.
2: What you need there is you need your offensive line, which there's a couple question marks, but it looks pretty good. And then those defensive linemen that I mentioned, Rochelle and Tillery and Jones, to play up to their ability. If you can win the trenches, you win that football game. I think people people are overestimating Texas. They're overestimating Charlie Strong. Quite honestly,
0: I think at this point this is more the worry about. Look, I mean, Michigan State can beat Notre Dame easier than Texas can. I understand yeah, that. Yeah, who's your who's but your choice. The spot? Uh,
1: yeah, the, I think the most is this a what's the most difficult game on the schedule? No, no, like no, we'll Virginia was the one that. we should have worried about last
0: year. I, I, I,
1: I think Miami's tricky because yeah, like good. I'm I'm partial to like if you have that's the only game where Notre Dame's not going to have the best quarterback on the field in my opinion. Um, so and Miami has a whole lot of good athletes running around. Mm-hmm. I like Mark Richt is a very good coach. I I could see Miami coming up here and, and really pushing Notre Dame in that in that sort of falling into um, maybe the Pittsburgh classification yep. of games where you're like Notre like Notre Dame should win, and then yeah. it's in the fourth quarter. And kinda, I'm like, Wait a minute, what's happening? Where it's yeah. kind of
2: overlooked amongst yeah. all the others. Yeah. Uh, I'd put Kaiser up against just about any quarterback. Just the natural evolution of his development. Sure. I put him up against
1: just about anybody. Yeah, I mean, faces Miami Miami's the only one I could. I was. Yeah, my team's yeah, Mich- my yeah. team's Michigan State. Well, they're
2: the because, best team, though. Yeah, I mean, you, well, you know, I mean yeah, are, well, but they. I mean, I say that because they've lost a lot. Michigan okay, State lost yeah. a lot. I mean, the yeah. foundation of of their thirty, however many wins the last three years, total title contention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, most of those guys are gone. Shalique yeah. Calhoun and, and Conklin and and their whiteouts who. A couple years ago, couldn't catch anything, and then they finally started yeah. catching the football.
1: Quarterback, defensive yeah, coordinator. Right, so
2: I mean, yeah, I guess you're yeah. right. That is an obvious who's one. Your, but... Who's your Virginia? That's kind of what I, how I looked at the question. Does that make sense? Um, I, I, I kind of want to say NC State mm. for lack of a better, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because most of their defense is back, and they were actually 29th in the country in total defense last year. Yeah. So they, you know, they could they. That's a road game where. <laughs> You yeah. know, you True could road strug- yeah. are easy. I mean, yeah. you could you, you yeah. could struggle a little bit offensively, like maybe you did against Virginia. But I don't know. I, I got a lot of confidence in Kaiser on the road. I mean, hell, he proved it. He we went on the road and he consistently played well last year. So I know there's other components besides yeah, yeah. him. But yeah, I think that
0: I think Stanford, USC, my- and Michigan State and Notre Dame are just pure games where somebody wins, they win; somebody loses, they lose. Right. Third Stanford's a coin flip. Third Michigan State's a coin flip. Third name, Stanford. a coin flip. Yeah.
1: But like Miami, Virginia yeah. Tech. Um, I get, you know, the dynamics you mentioned of yeah. Texas. Third name is better than Texas. Texas. It's just. Yeah, those are the, the second problem. tier of games where you're like, yeah, if, if no, I don't think that's my big, one of my big concerns about this team is, well, they don't have Will Fuller anymore. And if they didn't have Will Fuller or Virginia, they would have lost. If they didn't have Will Fuller or Temple, they would have lost. Like, they don't, I don't know who the bailout player is when you're like, oh crap, you know. Everything's going bad. I think just, it might be just, LSA Jones. Just make something happen. In a different uh, way, of course. Yeah. It's just like they need to develop a player who can save you on talent alone. Uh, and when you get into those tier two games like Texas, Virginia Tech, Miami, yeah. you're like, it's like, Could it be Torrey Hunter? I mean,
2: Could I know be. Yeah, yeah been, it could it, be. Yeah. He, he just looks it, it so be, good. It will be against
0: Texas because they're going to rely on him against yeah. Texas. That's, yeah. that's for sure. 14 Man. catches for yeah. 200 yeah. <laughs> Torrey Hunter.
1: All right. Well, that's it for segment two. We're going to come back, talk recruiting. Notre Dame's coaches are on the road for the spring evaluation period. Talk a little bit about numbers for class of 2017. And then, off, of course, Demetrius Robertson off the board to Cal, finally. Uh, we can address that in segment three on Irish
0: Illustrated Insider.
2: Segment three of Irish Illustrated Insider is our recruiting roundup, and Pete, we got a bunch of things to talk about from J- Josh Kando to Demetrius Robertson to some new offers going out, and just how many guys will end up in the Notre Dame class of 2017.
1: Yeah, news roundup in the last couple of weeks, you had Demetrius Robertson go off the board uh, Sunday to Cal, which it was a surprise to me. Only in the sense that it wasn't Georgia, I didn't think he was coming to Notre Dame yeah. for a long, long time. Um, but in we had been told that Cal because Cal was ahead of Notre Dame, so it went in Georgia one, Cal two, Notre Dame three. I just thought that it was he wasn't going to get out of state like the SEC <laughs> tractor beam. Yeah, uh, hell or high water was not going to let that kid get away.
2: Can you? So th- I was shocked. Can you lend some insight into what what are the reasons behind the delay? What are the reasons behind choosing Cal that couldn't win when they had Jared Goff? Yeah,
1: I mean, because it was a situation with Cal that, I mean, he took an official visit there, similar to Notre Dame, went out by himself, I believe. Um, but with Cal, it was sort of like it was close to Stanford. Like, yeah. he liked the area. And Demetrius Robertson is a quirky, interesting kid i mean he i i never felt like he drew everything out in a in the stereotypical self-aggrandizing teenage five-star prospect right. kind of way i thought he was actually kind of confused really wanted to go to stanford that was legitimate and then when that was taken off the table from him i was like oh, crap like what am i going to do like i don't know if he felt like he had a best option it, but he had to go somewhere um i don't think Georgia, Notre Dame, or Cal were perfect fits for him. Um, I I don't know if there was a perfect fit for him other than probably Stanford. But I I don't think coming to the upper Midwest and going to Catholic school was that appealing to him. I don't think going to a football factory at Georgia was that appealing to him. So I think going to something totally off the radar sort of made sense in a weird way. Well, and Cal...
2: In terms of environment, Kel's the closest thing to Stanford. Yeah, I mean it's a it's geographically, a liberal, yeah. And. A lot, yeah I, I meant in terms of yeah. attitude and stuff and everything. But, yeah, right.
1: Uh, uh, liberal,
2: open-minded. Sure, I, th- I uh, think free-spirited.
1: I mean, yeah. he's, he's a kid who wants to be an artist. I mean, he announced his decision by doing a painting of the Cal logo. Well, there you go. I think he made a great choice then. Yeah, it's uh, you know I, for him
2: for. Not for Notre Dame profile, <laughs> for
1: like whether it be the prestige of the school or the tradition of the program or the media attention on the school. I don't think any of those things ever really registered with him as much as maybe we thought they did because yeah. Notre Dame sent a truck down there and that was a big
2: deal. Like, well, I hope he f- he's found contentment with this decision because, like you say, he's not. He's not the kid that's trying to draw attention to himself. He was trying to find the right fit for yeah. himself.
1: And this is all, I, I'm sure people are listening we were like, what, are you, what the heck are you talking about? He wasn't trying to draw attention to so himself. He announced his co- decision at the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, I think there are people around him well, that were drawing attention to him. Yeah. And, like, it was just, it got to be an awkward situation. Well, his talent level. He's going to play a lot so, of football, Cal right away. He
2: is. And he's got a chance to eventually be a first-round draft choice like the quarterback that just was the number one overall pick. Yeah, but we'll see. North, I, I i don't know why I'm showing. I'm sure Notre Dame fans don't want to hear about my sympathy for Demetrius Robertson. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, anyway.
1: Well, one one this kind of spins into the next dynamic, and I wrote about this on Friday, in terms of the room Notre Dame has in a 2017 class because they have 10 commitments right now. If you look at Brian Kelly's classes, including the bridge class of of 2010, six of the seven have been 23 players. If you look at Notre Dame's roster, it's hard to figure out how Notre Dame could sign 13 more. But my indication talking to people around the program is that is exactly what Notre Dame is going to do. They are going to push to the limit and beyond and then sort of let things sort themselves out, which I think lends credence to you're going to see a few more transfers. You're going to see a small fifth year class in 2017. They would like to sign, 10 more guys, 12 more guys, maybe 13 more guys to get in that mid-20, low-20 range. Um, Even though the numbers, if you just look at the scholarship chart that we have on the site now, makes you question like, well, wait a minute, how's that going to happen? They're going to be over the 85-man limit. We
2: talk about it every year about you know transfers, they're going to happen. We could throw out some names. I'm always a little hesitant to do that because that's a little bit premature and a little bit unfair to to some kids. So, don't always want to do that. But, um, you know that's it's just the, it's just the way it works, and it, and I think I think it's good that Nordine continues to press to be at that number. They have difficulty. You know, we're, we're always talking about okay, get to eighty five, and how they often ne- they never, don't, they don't, they
1: never get there. Uh, and I think it's Brian Kelly has sort of come to terms with the fact that it's like, man, I why am I. You know, managing my roster with a one hand to hide behind my back because his first team when they opened his first training camp here when they opened they had seventy five guys on scholarship, like that's ridiculous. You you don't ever let that happen to you. You now getting to eighty five really really hard and and I don't when I'm talking about the guys they have on scholarship I'm not talking about Josh Anderson guys they get I I mean I wouldn't even include probably Montgomery Van Gorder in the group. Talking about true scholarship recruited athletes. If you're in the 82, 83 range, you are doing really, really well. And Notre Dame has been into the 80s the last three years at least. But the first couple of years, Brian Kelly was fighting just to get to 80. He was at 75, and I think year two, he's at 77. So they're doing a much better job, and I think Notre Dame has finally come around and is like, you know, we can't just have it be a, a one-for-one swap. We need to recruit ahead, assuming guys are going to transfer because – A guy has transferred every single year since the 1980s. It it will happen. There will be some roster turnover. And I think
2: when you're looking for, and again, I don't want to start picking out individuals, especially those that aren't even here yet. But, for example, you have seven defensive backs coming in in this class, Mm -hmm. a couple that are already here early entries. The odds of all seven hanging around, I mean, that would be an area where you look and say... Yeah,
1: you had McKelty Williams
2: leave already. Right, or you look at, like, uh, linebacker. I'm just looking at your chart here. You have verbal commitments from Werner, White, and Adams, and you have the two Joneses, Jameer and Jonathan, coming in. So they will be... You know, next year at this time on comparable uh levels of eligibility, mm-hmm. right? Because you probably won't play. Yeah, you'd redshirt ju- both Jones. Right, zones. right. So I, you know, when you're looking at where, where are they go, where's where's the roster going to loosen up? It's usually in places where you bring in multiple guys at, at, at a specific.
1: Area. Yeah, I mean, right now in my chart, I have Zaire for 2017. I have Zaire as a fifth year senior, Kaiser as a fourth year senior, or I'm sorry. A, a redshirt junior, I should say, and, um, and, and Brandon Wimbush, and Ian Book, and Avery Davis. I mean, they're they're not going to have five scholarship yeah. quarterbacks yeah. in 2017. So there's, I I give Notre Dame and Brian Kelly credit for being more aggressive than they have in the past, even though it creates some awkward press conference questions when we're talking about, well, how are you going to get down to 85 uh, scholarship players? And Brian well, I'm going to push is, some
2: guys out of the program. Brian how Co- do you think I'm getting down to it?
1: <laughs> and Brian Kelly was like, you know what? It'll work out because two years ago you had the eSek Williams dynamic happening Avery Sebastian was coming in there was a time where it looked like they were going to be at 89 scholarship players everything broke you know in a particular way and and they know guys who are leaving they know guys who are going to go on medicals that was Michael Deeb and Mike Heyerman's year you had Doug Randolph already go on medical this year maybe there's another one Corey Robinson for example yeah um they'll be that will happen with guys that's college football today um it's a it's a violent sport guys get hurt. Um, you know, it's a sport where guys want to play right away, so they transfer. So that, that will happen with Notre Dame, too. They have a much
2: better feel for chronic injuries and disgruntlement that, than we do, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, no from question. the outside looking in, we can say, well, you know, that's a guy that may be disgruntled.
1: Uh, they have x-rays that show a shoulder that doesn't look like it's ever going to
2: repair itself.
1: Yeah, no question. No question. So that that's sort of Notre Dame's dynamic moving forward. You look at the Ten commitments. Expect at least another 10 between now and February.
2: So satellite camps are back. They weren't gone for very long.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an amazing uh, dynamic where you get the Department of Justice saying, you know, maybe we'll look into that. And then the NCAA, which really is, is the conference commissioners, those are the conferences chose to ban the camps, not the NCAA Um and I think that's a, an important note because people are always hammering on the NCAA, justifiably so. But in this case, these were the conferences decided to ban the camps. That's been overturned. The camps are coming back. I don't expect Notre Dame to have a satellite camp. I would, and I and I hope that Brian Kelly sticks to his guns on that because he looks at it from the perspective of there's just not much of a point in just doing it now. I realize that Michigan is teaming with Georgia and Ole Miss to have a camp in Atlanta this summer. Um, maybe down the road, Notre Dame is affiliated with a satellite camp, but I, I would not expect them to go out and just stage one on their own for the heck of it. Um, it just, it just doesn't make sense. And they're better off putting their resources into Irish invasion and getting, getting kids there. Cause if, look, if I'm a kid from Atlanta, there's a four star defensive back and I can go to this Notre Dame satellite camp in Atlanta. Or I can go to Irish Invasion. Notre Dame would prefer you go to the Irish Invasion because that's where they're going to make the biggest impact on you. But just based on the ease of access, that kid may be like, yeah, I'm going to skip Irish Invasion. I'll just, I'll yeah. just go to the satellite camp. And then Notre Dame's not really getting its pitch across. I mean, this is something Brian Kelly and his staff have given a lot of
2: thought to. And if you, they felt like the positives outweighed the negatives with it, they would... Push forward we'll and go it. Go ahead and do it. And they'd set something up in ACC country where they have to, you know, where they're recruiting anyway. Atlanta being a, and you know, one of those. Uh, there could, there probably are even more ideal settings for Notre Dame recruiting. Charlotte,
1: Orlando. I mean, there's a million places yeah. Notre Dame could do it, but I think they're out on the road enough. It's a national profile that's high enough that, and, and Notre Dame itself is unique enough that selling yourself is like. Well, you're going to come to Notre Dame because you really like the coaches. Because of that hour you played, you know, seven on seven with them, I I just don't think makes sense. And if it reaches the point where these other schools that are getting
2: together and Brian Kelly feels like they need to do something to combat that because it's hurting them, then they'll do that. But right now, it's not. And whatever the answer, I mean, I think it's just amazing that you. How long? How long was it banned? For like a month maybe? I, I, I don't even
1: think it was a month. It, it <laughs> wasn't bad long enough that they had to cancel the satellite camps that had been <laughs> outlawed. So it was quick. Uh yeah, it was a, it was a quick turnaround. I, I still don't think it's gonna have much of an impact on Notre name, but it is gonna be interesting to watch to see how it plays out and if it in this is one of the things I, I think is, is good about these camps is if it allows Chuck Martin and his staff to come work Notre Dame's camp. Um, you know, if it allows group of five schools to come work the camps at, at power five schools and yeah. find kids and kids can get a realistic view of like okay maybe I'm not good enough to play at Notre Dame but I'm I'm good enough to go play at Miami well, that's that's a positive that's a good thing and then and it gets more it gets these kids to have more information so I'm all for that
2: well I Sposing wanted to, thoughts on our yeah, uh, podcast well I
1: wanted to throw yeah. Josh Kane
2: though because oh, we didn't yeah. really talk about him and and you know things were real positive. If he he visited, we saw him. He walked into the stadium. And we were like, "Whoa!" Yeah. You know that's a guy that look good in Notre Dame. I mean, he would look good in any uniform. But, um, and then he, he released a top four about ten days ago or two weeks ago, two weeks and ago-ish. didn't include Maryland. And everybody said Maryland's in that group. And as it turned out, he verbally. Committed. Yeah, that's a.
1: I mean, it's a it, it's a tough blow for Notre Dame, only in the sense of like. I think they look at it from the perspective of when are we going to get a defensive end who looks at our depth chart and says, Oh, I can start there right away. I'll go to Notre Dame. Um, Cause Josh Kendo would have been good enough to do that. Robert Beal probably would have been good enough to do that. Um, you know, they had Beal for a few months, kind of were in the mix with Kendo, but never leading. Um, it's just, it's a difficult situation for Notre Dame that, um, I'm not really sure what the solution is with defensive end recruiting. I'd love to get on this podcast and be like, Notre Dame just did this. They had all (laughs) all these four-stars coming in. Um, It's a struggle. It's it's probably going to continue
2: to be one. It's a struggle. I mean, you know, quality... Game-changing, pass-rush defensive ends are hard for just about everybody to it's get. It's like except... finding
1: big men for Notre Dame basketball. Yeah, it's very similar. It's tough to do. All right. right, well, I think that's it for our uh, Irish Illustrated podcast. It is.
2: We're going to come back, and we're planning on coming back in, back in two weeks with May 16th. Big day in uh, Indiana tomorrow because we, we're we all going to get out and vote tomorrow. Primary day. We're going to influence yeah. the, the election. With our,
1: with our vote. Yeah, maybe we can talk about that on our next podcast, May 16th. So until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, thanks for listening.